Good morning, church. Uh, you guys can go ahead and open your copies of Scripture to Mark chapter 14. We'll be in verses 32 to 42 for today. And while you guys are turning there, uh, I want to just talk to you guys about something called choices. Uh, every day we're faced with choices of various degree and of various kinds. Uh, sometimes they're simple and small choices, uh, such as where am I going to eat lunch today? Some of you are probably thinking that right now. Where am I going to go eat after this? Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm going to Mexican after this. But uh, some of you, on the other hand, have other things that you face in your day-to-day life. You're faced with various trials and decisions you have to make. And sometimes, no matter the decision you make, there's going to be a repercussion. And it's difficult. You see, every day we are faced with various choices we have to make. And as believers, we are often faced with trials, and these trials involve a choice. Are we going to be obedient to the Lord, or are we going to turn from the Lord? Now today, in our passage of Scripture, we get to see Jesus, the Son of God, uh, go into the Garden of Gethsemane, and we get to see him uh, pray through the most difficult choice any man has ever had to make before, and the humanity of our people. He has to make a decision and obey a call that is so difficult that it brings him to pain and to tears. Um, But we see that when we make choices, it all must be rooted in prayer. So if you follow with me, uh, in Mark 14, starting in verse 32, the scriptures say, And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little further, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. And he came and he found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again, he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy. They did not know what to answer him. And he came the third time and said to him, are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Is it enough The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. So, jumping into this passage of Scripture, uh, we see this, this intimate moment where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing that he is left with the choice to be obedient to the will of the Father. And it's a difficult task that he must embrace because he is going to have to face the weight of the sin of the world, the pain, the separation, the hurt of it all. But what we'll find in this passage today is that through prayer, we are led to dependence on God. And when we depend on God, we get to experience the fullness of God's love for us in our life, no matter what that may look like for us. You see, this is not an easy thing for Jesus to do here. Um, 
for Jesus to obey God in this moment will be one of the most difficult things he has ever had to experience. And so the first point driven today is that prayer empowers obedience. Prayer empowers obedience. We see in the scripture that after Jesus has gathered his disciples after the Last Supper, on the last night he has on this earth, he gathers his three closest disciples, Peter, James, and John, to come with him to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And the reason he calls them to prayer is because he knows what is awaiting him. He knows that the Father's will for him is to be taken, is to be beaten, is to be crucified for the weight of the world and to face the weight of sin, to face the wrath of God for our sake that we can live in relationship with him. And he is so distressed that he must go and pray and brings his closest friends with him. And it tells us that Jesus says to them in verse 34, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Jesus is so disturbed in this moment. Jesus is so frightened in this moment that he says he is disturbed to death. He is feeling the full weight of sin for the world on his life in this moment. He knows what is going to happen and what he is being called to do. He knows that God the Father has placed an important task on his life. And he knows that it is so much so that it would take him even into death. And the reason this is so difficult is because he mentions this cup in verse 36. Uh, he mentions how this cup may pass. Uh, it's a, you know, he says, in his prayer, remove this cup from me during this hour. You see, this cup isn't just uh, some analogy for a simple drink or anything of the sort. No, this cup is filled with God's wrath for sin. And it's filled with the death that must be paid for the price of sin. And Jesus is looking at this cup, knowing that the only way that we can have relationship with the Father is that if he takes this cup. But his humanity, and his humanity, he is frightened about this. You see, even Jesus doesn't want to face this death, this weight. He knows the cost of sin. Being fully God and fully man, he understands the weight of sin in the world. He understands uh, how just terrifying sin is and how this separation is not something to be played with. But he knows what must happen. And so in his fear, he does the only thing that he knows to do in this moment. And it models what we must do when we are stuck with decisions in our life. When we are stuck with difficult choices in our life. He runs to the Father in prayer. Jesus chooses to run towards the Father in prayer, knowing that he will find peace in the Father, but that also through abiding with the Father and through prayer, he will find the power to obey the will of God on his life. You see, this is a trial for Jesus. This is a test of his obedience for our sake. Jesus is faced with a trial unlike any other to literally die for the entire weight of the world. And he knows this, this is it for him. But through prayer with God, he finds the power to obey what God is calling him to. 
You see, Jesus rests within the submission to the Father's will. Jesus knows that the Lord is good, that God the Father is good. No matter what will happen, he and his glory are better than anything else in this world. Even if what he must do is terrifying and is, will lead to his suffering, he knows obedience is what he is called to. John 5, we see that Jesus says he submits to the Father, for he knows the Father is good. He lives in the Father's submission. And we are called to do the same thing today, friends. We are called to pray to the Lord in every moment of our life so that we can obediently follow after him. This past week, um, a good friend of mine in a meeting uh, used this term courageous obedience when it speaks of being a follower of Jesus. And we are called to courageously obey the Lord. We are called to see the commands of Scripture, to see what God is calling us to and to follow after them faithfully. We don't toy with what God has said to us. We don't uh, toy with the decisions that he has made for what is good and what brings him glory. We trust them and we follow them. But here's the thing. We can do all the good things in the world we want, but it means nothing if we're not in spirit with the Lord. You see, doing good works is nice for people. Sometimes we get to reap the benefits of a good work, of doing good things. But y'all, if we are not trusting in Jesus, if we are not submitting to the Father when we are doing our good works, then we are rejecting him. Those good works can't save us. Those work, good works can't get us to a standard that we can't reach. And Jesus knows that. And so in his prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, he is so troubled of what's to come that he runs to the Father so that he may have the strength to do what he knows he must. Let us embody that today, friends. Let us embody what it means to run to God for strength so that we can obey his commands. When we obey the Lord, we get to taste the goodness of who he is. But this isn't an easy thing for Jesus, as we've said. So if you look back into the passage, uh, we go down to verse 36 and we look at Jesus' prayer. And here Jesus says, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, not what I will, but what you will. There's a few things we can see in how Jesus is praying right now. One, this is a difficult prayer for Jesus. Jesus is asking God to change something for him. He is lifting his request to God because he knows that he will have to suffer. But in the same prayer, he is asking God to work out his will. The will of God, not the will of man. He is asking to work out what will bring glory to him. What will bring glory to the Father. And, but Jesus knows how strong God is. When he prays, he says, Father, all things are possible for you. Y'all realize that, right? God is strong enough to do anything. God is more powerful than anything that we are facing. And the, the trial of life, and the waves of life, the ship of life, as the waves are crashing in, and we are facing despair, 
We were facing pain, suffering, confusion. God is the one who is powerful to change that. God has the strength to change everything. He has the power to, there's nothing more powerful than God, I should say. No sin is more powerful than God. Sin has no power over Jesus. We know that, spoiler alert for the Bible, Jesus is crucified, but he raises again on the third day. Sin cannot contain him in his glory. So when we pray, we should be praying to God that he can do all things, trusting him to do all things when we pray. And then when he acknowledges that God's infinite power, the Father's power, he lifts his request to God to remove this cup from him. When we pray, are we asking God to change what needs to be changed for our sake? Are we lifting our requests to him? Or are we just giving him a simple lip service? And are we asking our requests and the full emotion that we're experiencing them? The full weight of the sin we feel, are we bringing that to him? Yet the most impressive thing we see Jesus do in this prayer, despite everything he does being impressive, is that he says, Father, yet not it be my will, but let it be your will. You see, Jesus is recognizing in this moment that he will obey the Lord's will, the Lord's command on his life, no matter what it looks like, no matter if God decides to change the battle he is facing or not. In our lives, we treat prayer similarly. I think we treat prayer as an exchange to God. I lift this up to you, God. You change my situation, and then I'll give you praise and glory. But y'all, God is deserving of the glory the same praise and the same glory we give to him, whether he changes our situation or not. You see, God is faithful and powerful over all things. But when we pray in this way, when we see how Jesus is praying in this way, we are empowered to obey him. Jesus says that so he will obey the Father, not for him to take his own way out of it. In your life, you are probably facing similar things. And obedience is tough, y'all. It is hard to obey God sometimes. Sometimes God is calling us not just to abstain from a sin in our life, but he is calling us to do something radical, an extreme change in our life. And can I say to you that God is righteous in doing that and asking so, even if it means we are going to suffer momentarily. But we are called to obey the Lord And Jesus wants to obey his father in this time. And the most, and one other thing we see uh, real quickly about Jesus is there's this fancy word, you can take this away and impress your friends with it, called the hypostatic union. Um, This is, I I heard a woo over there, someone studied theology. Um, But this is a fancy word that means God, that Jesus was fully man and that he was fully God. And that's fully on display in this prayer. Jesus' humanity is feeling the weight of the world on him. Jesus' humanity is fearing for his life. In the same way we fear for our lives, Jesus experienced that. Jesus has experienced the fears you have experienced and the sadness you have experienced. But Jesus is also fully God in this prayer. He knows what is required of him to obey the Lord. 
He knows that the Lord's will is greater than his own and that he will suffer if it means glory being brought to God. And, God, and he is showing his display here. But there's something else we see in this passage about obedience. We see Jesus praying to the Lord so that he may faithfully obey God. But then you also see the disciples. You see his three closest disciples, his three closest friends, Peter, James, and John in this passage. You see that Jesus brings them with him into this moment, this intimate moment God is experiencing with the Father. And they sleep. He commands them in verse uh, 35 to, to remain here and watch and to pray. He is commanding the disciples to pray with him. Yet they fall asleep. And again, we see Jesus come back to them in verse 37. And he says, and he came to them, being Jesus, and found them sleeping. And he says to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again, Jesus goes away praying. Y'all, the Holy Spirit is with us, but we have to trust in the spirit to guide us into obedience. The disciples were also faced with a choice in this passage. Were they going to join their friend, their mentor, their savior in prayer? Or were they succumb to their sleep? Were they choose their own desire in that moment over what God has commanded them, over what Jesus has commanded them? And it's so much so that a third time Jesus returns during his prayers to them, and he sees them sleeping. And it says in verse 40 that when he confronts them, they did not know what to answer him. You see, God calls us to obey him, not because it saves us. God calls us to obey him because it's how we get to experience life in him. We get to experience the fullness of life in Jesus. And as followers of Jesus, we feel the consequence of sin in our lives. In this way, the world operates, but also when we reject the commands of Scripture. My family can tell you, my mom will say it all the time, uh, you give her some stuff for it afterwards, I was a compulsive liar as a kid. I lied all the time. Um, I would make up these insane stories uh, just to get attention from my family, from my friends, from my brothers, to get attention from them. I lied so much that they used to say I would become a lawyer when I grew up. <laughs> Come on. But, sorry to the lawyers. Um, but, <laughs> I would lie because I was seeking attention from people. And then also, when I did something I know I wasn't supposed to do, I would lie to my parents and say, I didn't do it. And here's the thing in our household, sorry to put you guys on blast for a second, even though it was the right thing in my opinion. My parents didn't spank often in our house, but if we lied to our parents, we got spanked. And if I lied to my parents, that was the punishment I was due. But I'm thankful for it, because as I grew older, through that consequence, I saw the goodness of what they were protecting me from. I got to see the reality that with the ounce of consequence of what lying could lead to, just a, a brief moment of consequence, I got to see the fullness of obedience, that a life without that is so much better. And in our lives, when we do not run from our sin, when we are not obeying the Lord, friends, we will feel the consequences of sin sometimes. And just like the disciples, we don't know what to say. When you know you messed up, you don't know what to say. You just sit there. But y'all, Jesus' grace is still sufficient when we fail. 
His grace is still sufficient to save us and to protect us and to draw us back into his love. But in this passage, we see the disciples reject the call of obedience, to reject the spirit here. You see, when we pray, not only we are empowered to obey the Lord, but we're also, uh, but we're also empowered and led into God's hands. Prayer leads us into God's hands. And there we feel the love and the comfort of God. We feel the Father's arms wrap around us and hold us tightly. You see, the second aspect of this passage, apart from Jesus praying to God for obedience, is the way that Jesus approaches God. We see in verse 35 that it says, uh, in going a little further, Jesus fell on the ground and prayed if it was possible that the hour might pass from him. But Jesus fell onto his knees and fell before the Father in prayer. Jesus' posture is reflecting not one of showmanship to the disciples to show how great he is, to see, show how holy he is. No. He's showing a posture that he is going to trust God in this time. He's going to trust the Father to hold him up. He will trust the Father to hold him and give him the strength he needs as he submits to him. He is in total submission to the Lord and his heart is reflective of that same posture on his knees. When we pray to the Lord, when we live our lives, are we, is our heart in a posture in this similar manner where we're embracing the Lord and trusting in him, submitting to him, trusting in his strength? Are we trying to strong arm Jesus, standing by our own two feet, keeping our distance saying, I like what you have to say, but I can do it. I don't need you to, I don't need you to do it for me. I can do it. When we strong arm Jesus, we're holding ourselves away from what God has for us, we, from his love for us. We are called to trust God fully, and, when we're, uh, and we're called to fall on our knees and run into his arms. It doesn't matter what the thing is, the decision is in your life. You are called to run into his arms because you experience the intimacy of love with God there. And some of you in this room may have been coming here for 30 plus years, or you've been coming here for a few weeks, or you've gone to other churches, you've grown up in the church. You have lived a fairly religious life. But if you have not experienced the intimacy of God in relationship with him, you are missing out on the truth of who God is. You see, because God is not just a judge who sits with his finger pointing, wagging at us. Jesus isn't looking at us, waiting for us to slip up. But instead, God is waiting with his arms open for us so that we can trust in his power to save and experience an intimate relationship. And Jesus, in his prayer, embodies that with just that first word, Abba. You probably know that it means Father, but this is important because Jesus is treating his prayer as if he is a child running to his father or his mother, deeply in need of their love and their comfort in this moment. Jesus knows what's gonna happen. Jesus knows he's gonna die. He knows he has to bear the weight of sin and he has to pay the price for our sin. And so he runs to the Father's comfort. When I was six or seven years old, um, 
My mom was out of town on a work uh, retreat, and my dad doesn't know I'm going to tell this story. I told her the first service, but he doesn't know. So I'm sorry if this gets you in trouble, but my, my mom was at a work retreat, and my brother Jacob was off staying at a friend's house, and me and Levi were at the house. And it was a Friday night, and so my dad shows us the movie Jaws. You know, the, the great aquatic movie of fishes and sharks and how they tend to eat people. Um, and he showed us this movie. And in my own strength, I tried to impress him. I tried to say, that's a great movie. Dad, thank you for showing me. That's so cool. I want him to know I'm mature enough for this. And then I go to bed. He puts me to bed. He turns the light off. And he walks out the room. The fear that instantly overrode my body. I was scared for my life in that moment. I was terrified of the shark. And you know, I'm not even talking about swimming. I mean, I was so terrified that when I finally fell asleep that night, I had a nightmare and I, when I woke up, I didn't open my eyes because I thought the shark had its jaws wide open on my legs waiting for me to open my eyes to clamp down on me. I mean, only the way a child can imagine. But y'all, that's what life feels like without God. Or when we're trying to prove ourselves to him. In our own strength, we tell God, I can face sin. I can follow the commands of scripture without needing you to help me. I can do it on my own. I can live a good religious life. I can spend my time in the church. Yet the sin of the world weighs down on us. It hurts, and we are terrified. But the beautiful thing about a relationship with Jesus, and when we experience the intimacy with God and we run to him in prayer, is that he runs to us. You see, that story that night doesn't end with me keeping my eyes closed, praying to go back to sleep. It continues with my eyes squinted shut, yelling out to my dad, yelling, Dad, I need you. Please come help me. And like a loving father, he comes rushing into the room. He came running in, and he says, what's wrong? And I tell him, and he says, well, there's, there's no shark in the room, so you don't have to worry about that. But he loves me, and he shows his love for me, and he cared for me, and he held me in his arms. I felt the weight of his love and comfort, despite my fear, and it was greater than any fear I had in that moment. Because by his power and strength, I felt that And God is the same way. When we are facing the trials of life, friends, we can run to a loving God who will hold us so tightly and remind us of his love so intimately that the fear of the sin no longer seems as scary. The weight of the decision we have to make no longer is burdening our souls. God is waiting to help us. Whether that's following a radical call in your life or sharing the gospel, he's there. So pray to him that you can experience intimacy in his loving arms because that is what we have as believers, an intimate relationship with God where we can run to him with full strength and trust in his promises and that they reign true in our lives. You know, the hardest part about this passage, and it boggled me for a couple of days on how how do I preach this part? Obviously, Jesus was obedient to the Lord, but we see God doesn't change his prayer. God doesn't change the outcome of what he prayed for. Jesus still had to take on the weight of sin. 
He still paid the price for us, and I'm so thankful that he did. But his situation didn't change. And many of you in this room have probably faced a similar moment in your life where you have prayed so dearly to the Lord to change something, to heal someone, to change a situation, to rescue you, to give you something that you desperately need. But it doesn't happen. Y'all, God is still good despite that. And I want you to know that. God is greater than the situations in the mountains that we face. His love and his splendor is higher than anything that we face. And I'm not going to go too far into depth with this, but if you know my family, you know we have faced journeys where God does not answer prayers the way we expect. Um, A couple years ago, my brother Jacob was sick. Um, He got pretty sick, and we prayed dearly, Lord, change this, cure him, rescue him. But we also prayed, Lord, let your will be done in his life and in ours. And if you know our story, you know that he, he wasn't healed. Not in the way that we expected. He now gets to worship the Lord in the gates of heaven every day. But can I tell you that God has still been faithful since then? That through that moment, God has brought glory to his name through the testimonies of people around him. We have seen God change people's lives through that. And Jesus knows that he will be changing lives in this time. But I can tell you, if we weren't running to the Lord in prayer, seeking his comfort, we would have been distraught. We would have been hurt. We wouldn't have fully felt his love. Even though it hurt, we knew God was still greater. Friends, run to the Lord with all that you have. He will let you experience comfort in ways you have never seen him do it before. Because as we see in this passage, when Jesus prays this prayer, after time has passed, after he has confronted the disciples for a third time about falling asleep, this passage ends with Jesus saying, the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Jesus' situation didn't change. Yet his response to God did. Friends, as we are navigating the waves of life, run to the Lord and submit to him fully. Because there you find intimacy with God. You feel love and comfort. You can do what he is calling you to do in his strength. Trust in the call he has for you and trust in the commands of scripture that they are good. Know that you have a loving father who cares for you deeply even if it doesn't feel like it by your standards. Jesus knows he's going to be beaten after this. Yet he willingly walks into obedience with what God is calling him to do in his life. And we have to do the same thing. We have to obey the Lord with all of our being. We have to fully trust in him, whether he changes the situation or not. You see, we sing that song, you are the same God, you are the same God. God is the same God when we pray to him, whether he changes our situations or not. But be encouraged knowing that he has a deep love for you and that you have relationship with him. If you have seen the word of Jesus, have you seen how God has died, that Jesus died on the cross for our place? He took the price for our sin and raised three days later so that we can have relationship with him. We don't have a price to pay anymore. 
And that's wonderful, that's beautiful, because he is the same God who rescued the Israelites all the way in the Old Testament, who rescues us today in 2023. God is there waiting for you, so run to him and embrace him for whatever he is calling you out to do. So what does this mean for us today? As we close, there's a few things for us to, know, to acknowledge. One, when we read this passage and we look at it, we have to be like Jesus here. When we feel God's call in our life to do something, or we see God's word say to run from something, we must be like Jesus and do that. We pray to God to give us the strength to do so. We let the Spirit walk with us. Let the Spirit guide us, the Holy Spirit guiding the way for us to faithfully obey his word, to courageously obey him. But also, we learn from the disciples' mistakes here. Now, we're human. We will make mistakes ourselves. We will not get it right all of the time. And the beauty is that Jesus forgives us when we don't get it right. But we would be a fool to take the goodness of what God has given us and to say, I don't have to change who I am. I don't have, I can do whatever I want because God has forgiven me. Walk in the ways God has taught us to walk in. Obey his commands, unlike the disciples. And then our third and final application piece is that, friends, pray faithfully to the Lord. Trust him with all of your heart when you pray to him. And be in prayer every moment of your day. You don't have to pray to the Lord with your eyes bowed, with your head bowed and your eyes closed every time. But you can trust in him, asking him to guide you, to reveal his will for your life, which is to obey his word, so that you can bring glory to him in his life. And depend fully on him when he calls you into obedience, when he calls you into something new. For some of you, that might be inviting someone to join you for church. And that's okay. That's a radical step for some of you in this room. Obey the call to do that. Or for others, it's being called deeper into something. Whether that's going overseas in missions or going into your workplace, your, your school system, um, your friend group, whatever it is. And being a light of who Jesus is. Not hating the people around you, but showing them the love and grace that God has given us. Because it is so much better than what they have. That way they can find God. But in all of it, trust in the Lord to lead you. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that we have the wonderful, amazing opportunity to see your word today. We get to see Jesus and his full humanity and his full divinity, God, feel the weight of sin in the world and how it leads them into fear, Lord. But we know that you are greater than the fears of our lives. You are greater than the trials we face and that when we are stuck with a choice to make every day about who we follow, that we can trust you to be greater than it. Lord, I pray that you would humbly work in our hearts so that we are resting in your presence and your power, God. Let us hug you tightly, Lord, as a father and a young child, clinging to you to rise us out of our issues, to rise us out of our sin, to rise us out of the grave. Lord, we are so grateful that we do experience life in Jesus. And I pray for anybody in this room that if there's any part of them that has not submitted to Jesus, Lord, that they would run in repentance to you, God, that they would abandon their sin and run after you full-heartedly, trusting in your promise and trusting in your love. 
Lord, we are so grateful that we get to worship you and to sing your praises today. Um, It's in your holy son's name we ask that you guide every step, Lord. Amen.